Welcome to Volta Knowledge, a podcast brought to you by Volta Energy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Volta Knowledge. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the show. Today, we are welcoming on the show Gursaran Singh. He is the VP of Energy Alliances at Volta Energy. Gursaran, thanks so much for joining me. Good afternoon, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, so today we're going to learn a little bit more about Gerseron, his background, uh, but also just uh, the emphasis that that Volta Energy is placing on sustainability uh, and some of the measures that they're taking in this area. But Gerseron, I wanted to start off just with a little bit more about your background, because you actually came from the oil and gas world. So tell me how you ended up now more on the sustainable energy side of the world. Uh, tell us a little bit more just about your background and your story here. So I'm a chemical engineer by training. Um, that's what I studied um, at school. But actually, my um, degree had an environmental collaborative. Um, my f- research was focused uh, during my master's on mineral processing side, something called hydrometallurgy, which is essentially extracting metals uh, using water, aqueous process engineering. But essentially, right after school, um, I dove straight into the oil and gas world. If you ever heard of Fort McMurray, which is the all-sands capital um, of Canada and I guess the world, I spent um, one year right at the peak of um, the all-sands world, which was 2007. If you recall, that was the time when the barrel of oil was touching $150, $160 a year. And uh, even though you feel like you're on the top of the world, you kind of realize even at a young age or if you're young in your profession that there's no way this can last. Um, so, you know, as you know, right after that, uh, basically was the big crash. So my career uh, since then, since 2006, right up till a few months ago that I joined Volta Energy has been in oil and gas, engineering design side, and I have worked in upstream, midstream, downstream, oil and gas projects. Um, so energy and resources essentially is my background, essentially. So tell me a little bit more about then how you got over to the Volta Energy side and and maybe your relationship with with the founder of the company as well. Right. So um, I have known Dennis since the year 2002. Um, Dennis at that time was pursuing his PhD at University of Toronto. Um, I was doing my master's and along with our friend and fellow um, Volta contributor, Dr. Sharam Karimi, we kind of began a friendship, um, which I suppose is still going strong. (laughs) Um, So actually, fun fact is I actually had a small part in the genesis of Volta Energy back in 2009. And um, this is right after the big market, uh, stock market meltdown in March of 2009. And um, I think it was very early into President Obama's presidency and, you know, all this. So you had this surreal situation where on one side, you know, people are losing their jobs and people have lost their savings and the entire world is coming to an end kind of scenario. On the other side, there's literally trillions of dollars being thrown into the economy, you know, and you hear words like TARP, um, you know, and renewables emphasis on this. So it was a very exciting, surreal time. I mean, you know, if you can picture it, um, exciting time as well, because you know, you have this realization that, you know, climate change actually became a big uh, mainstream issue right about then. And this is linked to, um, you know, when the big three um, automakers were close to bankruptcy before getting built out. And then you have these executives from this big three, and then you have this brand new thing on the street called Tesla with its um, the charismatic uh, CEO. 
Uh, Tesla Roadster had just come out in 2009, and I think that's where um, Dennis got the idea of uh, electric cars may have a big part to play in the future. And the first idea essentially was around um, the electric vehicle or EV um, charging infrastructure and how that's going to impact the power grid. Uh, I know I'm going into a little bit of detail, but just setting the scene for you. Yeah. Uh, so at that time, he asked me if I would be interested uh, uh, in coming on board Volta Energy. I mean, we didn't really have a company. It was just a collection of uh, people who thought alike and had specialties in their little areas. And I was happily employed uh, in the prime of my life, but this really intrigued me. And I've always respected Dennis and his vision. So I said, yes, I will. So I joined Volta for a very short period of time. And as it happened, there was a venture capital uh, expo in Palo Alto in California. So uh, the three of us, that was myself, Dennis, and another one of our collaborators, uh, James, uh, we piled into a Dodge Viper with this first prototype um, you know, of an EV charging station that we had built in like less than a week. And we drove nonstop from Toronto to Palo Alto uh, because you know, financially we were strapped, so we couldn't afford to fly with a whole bunch of cargo with us. So essentially we drove nonstop and we didn't really have the finances to stay in motels overnight either. Um, you know, it was a very exciting time. The first thing that happened to us is we all show up all dressed in suits and you get to the expo and you see all these people in Bermuda shorts and flip-flops and you're kind of standing out. And then somebody finally came and said, you guys are from the East Coast. And we're like, yeah, because, um, you know, California has got its own vibe. But anyhow, you know, at that time, uh, unfortunately, even though our idea was great, we were way ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, at that time, if you recall, the iPhone had just come out a year previously. And apps, as you now know, were called the smartphone applications at that time were all the craze. So we were not able to secure interest or financing at that time. Um, and shortly after, when I came back, uh, I decided to go back to my job full time. But anyhow, I was glad I had a part. Uh, you know, in founding a Volta, Dennis, of course, uh, persevered and took Volta through its different iterations. But I was involved from the outside, um, even during the middle part of Volta's evolution with Volta Empath, the consulting work. Uh, I did some work with Dennis uh, in the past decade. But, you know, recently with the success of Adam Power and Volta Insight getting established, um, it is time for Volta to scale up. And again, Dennis reached out and said, if I wanted to come back to what I had a part in starting, and I just jumped on the opportunity. I imagine that there's there's so much, um, I don't know, uh, maybe emotional capital built up in the fact that you were such a part of the the early years, right? That that such an attractive option, being able to come back now and, and be a part of this thing that you helped launch, you know, years and years ago. 100%. I mean, that trumps everything, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, I feel fortunate that, I see, I did not have to struggle, uh, you know, through the initial tough parts, even though I was on the outsides always supporting morally. So almost it feels like something it's come back as a gift, 100% emotionally. And I'm, I like to think I'm a stoic person, but I definitely can feel the emotional pull of the situation. Yes. 
So tell us a little bit and give us some insight into the emphasis that Volta places on sustainability. We know that they, that's such a big emphasis for uh, for companies these days. And and you're right, you were so far ahead of the curve back then. But now this is, you know, ESG goals are are a big part of every company these days. So give us some insight into the emphasis that, that Volta is playing on sustainability and how you're trying to, um, how you are uh, reaching to attain these goals. So. You, you mentioned it correctly, ESG is actually the big part, whether you're a big corporation or a small startup starting up. Um, we are you know, in a unique crossroads um, in civilization at a point where we essentially are at the precipice, where we, the way we have been doing things, you know you cannot sustain that going forward. So um, I don't think it's necessarily us, Volta, consciously thinking about sustainability. I think it's a universal thing at this point. Um, second thing is with the collection of people we have, um, we like to think we have some sort of foresight in terms of um, how things can be done better. You know, one of the big things that we are now rewriting our mission statement is we talk about rethinking the obvious. And sustainability does not have to be an imposition. Sustainability does not need to be like something that causes um, you to decrease your quality of life or do things out of the ordinary. It's just if you do everything better, you know, you do everything um, so that you're minimizing waste, um, you can still be prosperous without wasting, if that makes sense, you know, if you follow the Eastern philosophy right. part of thing. And Volta, if you look from its genesis, uh, the key is we are trying to make things more efficient. You know, we are trying to make the electrical grid better. Um, we are trying to minimize wastage and electricity and all those things. So sustainability, even tangentially, has been a part of what Malta does. But now what we have done is made it a conscious goal that whatever we do going forward, as you mentioned, as part of our ESG goals, will have a sustainability component to it. So we have recently signed up as participants uh, in the United Nations uh, Global Compact. And we are fully committed to the sustainable development goals as listed. We are actually working on our first uh, communication towards that end. And essentially, be it through Volta Insight, be it through other Volta Ventures, we will have a committed sustainability component to everything we do in our operations. So for those who might not be familiar with the United Nations Global Compact, uh, tell us a little bit more about what that is and what, what that means uh, for a company like Volta. Sure. So the Global Compact essentially is um, it's a mandate for it's a worldwide mandate. It's something that's been agreed upon in the United Nations General Assembly as a base point um, towards uh, a sustainable future. So if people can Google United Nations Global Compact, you can actually see a very um, in-depth description. Just assume it's a common baseline. It's like, the you know, you have the Human Rights Charter. Just imagine it's similar baseline um, document, let's call it, or a mandate, which says that these are the things we should strike towards, uh, you know, to have a better life for everybody. And at the base of that are 10 basic principles which need to be followed, which I cannot recite you, but uh, essentially has to do with human rights, labor rights, um, no discrimination based on gender, based on um, ethnicity, you know, religion and so on and so forth. Also, it talks about sustainable development goals, of which there are 17, I believe. And that has to do with uh, eliminating poverty. Climate change is a big issue. Um, sustainable energy going forward. Uh, clean oceans. 
so on and so forth. So essentially, it's an aspirational and also something that's tactical that can be achieved set of goals that has been laid down by the United Nations. And when you talk about net zeros in 2030 and 50, even though those are driven by um, climate action conferences, one of the driving forces behind that is the United Nations Global Compact. I really like what you said earlier when you said, um, when you talked about rethinking the obvious, right? And maybe just considering some things that we just take for granted every day that could be more efficient, could be different, could be better. Give, give us an example of what that looks like and what that means. So I will give you an example. I don't know if it gets too complex or not. Um, you know, you always hear about people talking about thinking outside the box. So innovation has to be thinking outside the box. Um, I think at Volta, we think a little bit different. Um, to think outside the box, you first need to understand the box inside out. You need to be able to exhaust every possibility of you know, improving things within the box before you start thinking of outside the box. So one of the ways we say, what we say rethink the obvious is, you know, Volta, as it has evolved from its initial um, mandate in 2009 up to now, it has gone through multiple iterations. It has evolved. It has learned. We had a good idea. We knocked it in. We figured out, okay, that's not the way to go. This is the way to go. Do you know what I'm saying? So we learned everything inside the box before we said, okay, there is a way to make things better, right? So we rethought the obvious. Um, we did not quit at the first step and say, okay, you know what? This seems to be a dead end. Let's just completely reverse paths and go somewhere else. Um, something similar, I'll give you an example right now. Um, in the alternate or renewable energy space, right now, the biggest things that people talk about is electrification and green hydrogen. And then the question to be asked is, okay, these sounds like excellent ideas, but has anybody gone and seen how electricity is generated today and how do we actually make hydrogen rain? You will realize that fossil fuels play a massive part both in electricity generation and well, what's called blue hydrogen. So I shouldn't have said green hydrogen, but hydrogen generation. So then you think to yourself, with every step where you are decreasing efficiencies, does it make sense to say, okay, I'm going to use fossil fuels to generate electricity to make hydrogen with less and less and less efficiency, and then finally I'm going to send it, you know, because your box is too small. You don't look at the holistic overall picture, right? Right. So as part of what we are planning to do with Volta into our energy, into our circular carbon space, we are saying, okay, issues with greenhouse gas emissions are big when you have carbon that's outside of the cycle. So essentially, when you have to extract fossil fuels and you burn them, there is no way in nature uh, to assimilate that carbon. So essentially, that's adding to your concentrations. So when we say rethink the obvious, what we say is, okay, there's already a lot of carbon dioxide in the air. Why can't we just take that and put that into a cycle? You know, the circular carbon concept. That's rethinking the obvious right there. So rather than say purely electrification or purely hydrogen, what we want to do is go into a circular carbon-based renewable energy synthesis field. And that's a prime example of rethinking the obvious. Wow, that is... Uh... That's incredible. I, I I love hearing just that that idea of understanding the the entire box, both inside and out, and considering all the different angles and positions. And that, I, I think that was a great explanation. And so, as you look ahead, you know, ten, twenty, thirty years, what what ambitious goals have you set for yourself? And, and where do you see 
the sustainability movement going? So the goals that uh, we have set now speak in terms of what I see in Volta is um, we are at the cutting edge of a few technologies and hopefully we keep it up and we scale it up so that we are a household name um, in those fields, uh, be it with Volta Insight or with the new venture that we're going to generate um, uh, coming out early next year. I don't know if this podcast is being aired this year or next, so I'm not sure if I'm supposed to reveal a bunch of the information because it's still pending a few, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, registration, trademark protection, and so on and so forth. Sure. I will just say the circular carbon space um, in next year. So in the next 20 to 30 years, we aim to have not only an established product, but be uh, a trendsetter in those fields. And again, we would like to innovate and go into different fields, related fields, um, you know, uh, in a com- in a conscious effort so that as today or two decades ago, it is so common that you see gas stations and you see the way the world operates. In 20 years, when we are actually close to the total net zero goal, Volta is a big part of how we get there. I'll keep it short in that sense per se that's that's the goal for us going forward that's the vision and again that also fits in with sustainability um you know i am from the oil and gas field and practical and pragmatic are two qualities that you learn um, very fast in the oil and gas field so those are always center in uh, the way we think Absolutely. No, I think that's that's really, really well put. So, Gersaran, as as we begin to wrap up this conversation today, I've I've really enjoyed it. This has been a really fascinating uh, conversation. And look, just into your career and the, the things that you're building and working on at, at Volta, uh, what do you want to leave people with uh, after they, they check out this podcast episode? What do you hope they understand or learn or know about Volta uh, after they, they experience this episode? So I would encourage people to follow Volta, um, if you can, on LinkedIn or any other social media. We are going to expand our presence uh, early next year. Um, We are building towards that. Um, We are a center for innovation. We are a center um, of practical, pragmatic, uh, you know, and tactical um, improvements and steps towards a greener, sustainable, healthier future, you know, and a healthy planet going forward. I am very excited. I mean, um, again, like I told you, I'm a little bit of a stoic person, so I cannot express hopefully um, big things are coming in 2023. Um, Volta Insight is going to scale up. Uh, Our new circular carbon-based project uh, is being launched. There are a few other projects which I can't speak about, but Dennis, when you have them next week, perhaps we'll elaborate on that are coming out. It is truly a very exciting time. For us at Volta, and I hope uh, with what we are offering, uh, you know, we can bring others into the fold. I think that's that's really well put. And of course, you don't want to give away the secret sauce before it's ready yet. But uh, but it's always good just to know that that big things are on the horizon, and uh, and you're working on some incredible things. And so, uh, Gersaran, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Volta Knowledge. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks for having me, and I hope to speak to you someday again soon. Yeah, I, I hope so as well. I love the conversation. This was this was a great time. And everyone out there, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Volta Knowledge as well. Thank you again for joining us here for this episode today. For more, you can always find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Visit Volta on uh, on LinkedIn, like Gerson said. Make sure to go check them out there uh, as they ramp up their presence there as well. And uh, and get in touch if you have questions. If you want to ask more, you can visit the website. You can go to LinkedIn. Any of those places are a great resource 
for you for more information about Volta. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with more episodes of the show. But for this one, for Gersaran Singh, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.